0: A few words of introduction about where I'm going with the sermon this morning. Over the past several months, I have been working with the theme of holiness. It comes out of my own personal devotions anyway, and it's something that's really struck me over the past several months. And I'm working on a group of sermons called Principles of Holiness. And the title of this one today is just simply Holiness. But I have to tell you, it's actually the third sermon in the group that I've written because I really struggled with what does this really mean? I mean, I talk about principles of holiness, which come out of what this sermon is about, about us being holy people. What, what is holiness? What does it mean for us to be holy people? And perhaps you notice that in the call to worship. I chose that text from Psalm 34 because it says, Fear the Lord, you his holy people. And in the assurance of pardon from the catechism, There's a line in there that says, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. And the Bible is full of phrases talking about God's people being holy. So that's what I want to reflect on this morning with you and the passages that headline or lead into this sermon are Ephesians 3, verses 3 through 6. Leviticus 11, verses 44 and 45, and then 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. If you have a Bible with you or one around you, you might want to take that out. Ephesians 3, 3 through 6, and in Leviticus 11 and 1 Peter 1. But the words are there on the screen for you as well. Some of them are embedded in the message, but I want to share them with you now and, and listen carefully to what God is saying to us. In Ephesians, the Apostle writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Leviticus 11. Verses 44 and 45, God says this. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy. Because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy. Because I am holy. And Peter, in 1 Peter 1. But just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. This is the word of the Lord. In my own personal devotions for the past several years, I have followed the practice of diligently reading through the entire Bible, January one Genesis 1 verse 1 and I carry all the way through and usually by about November sometime I've finished Revelation and then I'll pick up on the Psalms or perhaps the epistles or December I like to read and reread and reread the whole Christmas story but it's not that big a deal if you read sometimes three or four chapters a day. You get to the Psalms, Psalm 119, that's one day, that's a big one. But it's a good practice, and I recommend that for anybody to try that. Read the Bible, in you know, a whole year. And as I've done that, I've realized that that makes me aware sometimes of things that I've missed when I've just picked and chewed little pieces and little snippets here and there, which is okay to do, like we have the Today Devotional, and it leads you into a little reflection on a text. But, but sometimes just, just looking at the bigger picture helps us to find things that suddenly stand out. Like those numerous statements where God makes declarations about his people being inherently holy. And as I said, this is something I, I continue to think about. Thinking about what does that mean? Because being holy people is really quite a profound concept. And it has very significant implications for how we live our lives in this world. Those statements begin in Leviticus 11 with God making that declaration, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore be holy because I am holy. And and that, that little injunction to be holy gets repeated many times more, including that repetition that Peter puts in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 where where Peter declares to all followers of Jesus Christ, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Now when, when we understand who God is, I think we can easily accept his affirmation that God is holy. Okay, we're, we're, we're okay with that. God is holy. We identify holiness as part and parcel of the very nature of God. But to assign holiness to us? That's not something we attribute to creatures who struggle daily with what is called our sinful nature. So so Christians, sometimes we can be excused for thinking this way, but we we tend to think that holiness is something we gain when we exit life in this world. It is, it is something to be experienced in the new creation coming after Jesus returns. And so it's, it's, holiness is then part of the hope that we hold on to as we trust in God's amazing promises about what is to come for believers. So when we hear God saying to us, be holy, we might think that God is challenging us to try to achieve holiness even though it seems to be way, way out there beyond our grasp. But what if I told you that being holy is already part of our Christian identity and therefore living holy lives is not out of our reach. We really can be holy as we go and make our way through life without trying to achieve it. It's true. Hear what God's Word says tells us in Hebrews 10 verse 10 which affirms that by the will and the design and the plan of God we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 13 verse 12 it was on to explain that, that Jesus suffered and he sacrificed himself, dying on the cross of Calvary, in part, in order to make the people holy through his own blood. Furthermore, in Ephesians 1, verse 4, the Apostle Paul tells us, for he, meaning God, chose us in him, Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. The point is, God ordained his people as holy long, long before we even existed, which was guaranteed through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. So, we must conclude that being holy has everything to do with eternally belonging to God. From our pre-existence in the mind of God to to our existence now in this time and place, all the way to our life in glory. Therefore, when God says, be holy to us, He is challenging us, challenging us to be His people. He is challenging us to be holy. He is challenging us To live into our redeemed identity in Christ. Think about that. We're challenged to live into an identity we already have. To be God's holy people in this world. Now having heard that, let's examine what that word holy actually means. And we have to be guided here by the the biblical Hebrew and Greek words. The Hebrew word that is translated holy in the Bible is kadosh. I'll say it kadosh. The Greek word is hagios. And both of those words basically mean to be set apart for a particular purpose. So, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, using the Hebrew and the Greek words, there is great consistency and uniformity of the truth that God is communicating throughout the entire Bible. Namely, that among all the masses of people in the world, his people are set apart for roles serving in sync with God's plans and purposes, which have been ordained for us from the very beginning of creation. Now, have you ever really wondered about what the purpose and meaning of your life is in this time and place? Philosophers in various schools of philosophy have long wrestled with and tried to answer such basic existential questions, and they have come up with all kinds of answers, and even non-answers, ranging from, here's a good one, serving the higher good, whatever we determine that to be, led by religious and or ideological beliefs, and as a good example today, I think the green agenda that afflicts the world today fits right in with that. Serving the higher goods. So we've got to do things for the higher good of the world and for people. Another one, pursuing as much pleasure as we can to be happy. It's really the philosophy of hedonism, which usually turns out to be a fool's errand, full of disappointment. And then there is the philosophy of nihilism, which says there is no purpose or meaning. We just exist for no reason at all. And then we die. The end. (sighs) That one's pretty depressing. But when we have faith in God, then believing and trusting that life is inherently meaningful, that God has a purpose for us in this time and this place, that becomes motivation to live into that meaning and purpose. But that means we have to set aside ways of thinking that, that limit and attach labels of holiness to particular individual people, like like the Pope, who, along with other spiritual leaders like the Tibetan Buddha's Dalai Lama, are actually referred to as His Holiness. The ordinary people don't get that label, but they do, because they're at the top of the heap. His Holiness. Or, or we will assign holiness to particular objects like this building we're in now, it's a church. Even people that are secular people around us would drive by this place and they look at it and go, that's a church, that's a holy place. You know, we identify certain things with holiness like that. Or, or we assign holiness to particular spiritually motivated endeavors like projects and programs that we, we identify as having a, a notably divine or a God-serving purpose. And I think we, we tend to limit our understandings about holy things and people is because in knowing our own failures and shortcomings, we don't always feel worthy of being classified as holy people. However, that word kadash, hegios, simply means that someone or something is holy because God says so. Here's a simple, perhaps helpful, illustration. I assume you all have one of these. Maybe more than one. A toothbrush. And from a very young age, we are taught that that toothbrush is for our exclusive use only. And there are lots of very good hygienic reasons for that. I remember one time when I was back in the bush at hunt camp for a week and I forgot my toothbrush. So a good friend said I could use his spare. Well, Gross. Just the idea of using his was, I mean, I got a pretty strong stomach, but, oh, yuck. No way. uh -uh, Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So, in remembering something I had once read about what Aboriginal people years ago would do, I got a twig from a pine tree and I created a sort of a toothbrush. It actually worked. At least, my teeth felt somewhat clean. Bonus was I didn't get any slivers. The point is that our personal toothbrush, which has a particular purpose, is set apart for our own exclusive use. And that's basically what kadash means. Something or someone is set apart for a particular purpose. So when God tells us we're to be holy, he is reminding us that in being saved through Jesus, we are set apart for a particular purpose. In a way, we are set apart for His exclusive use. A holy purpose. A purpose that is in tune with God's agenda and is designed for our lives. Which is what 1 Timothy 1, verse 9 declares, says that God has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. And that holy life is something that we need to live into. Of course, although we most certainly appreciate being saved in God's grace, we still struggle with what being called to a holy life is all about. And perhaps, perhaps that's because we're just not accustomed to looking at ourselves in the mirror when we get up in the morning and, and we say to ourselves, Good morning, you are a holy person, so go and live like it. Now that's exactly what it means. To be holy. So when God says be holy because I am holy, he is simply reminding us that in being saved, we do belong to him. And therefore we ought to live like it. Understanding that that's how his agenda for creation gets achieved as we serve our purpose that he has created for us to serve him in this world as his holy people. And that that was the lesson that Israel needed to learn after leaving Egypt. And they spent time in the wilderness before entering the promised land. So, let's go back and join them at Mount Sinai, just two months after they escaped from the clutches of Pharaoh. Beginning at Exodus 19, verse 1, all the way through the book of Leviticus, God, who was speaking mostly through Moses, instructed Israel about their new identity as his chosen and holy people. Because they needed to know the reason and the purpose for their existence. And key to that is contained in Leviticus 20, verse 26, where God says to them, You are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. You are holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from all the nations to be my people. So Israel needed to understand and learn and practice what being his own meant. And and here's the big picture purpose. God's people are set apart to show the world who God is and how to enjoy life blessed by him. That's why, to guide us in living according to our kadosh status, God provides rules and decrees and instructions, including the Ten Commandments, which are intended to Show the world that God's people belong to Him. And belonging to Him means reflecting His holiness while we serve His purposes. Which is really still the challenge we face today in our time and place. I can imagine that the Israelite people were overwhelmed and daunted by all of God's holiness instructions. Having spent 400 plus years in Egypt, immersed in Pagan Egyptian culture and religion, all of which was integrated and combined, it would not be easy to let go of everything they'd been used to and influenced by. There are many, many stories in the Bible describing how Israel struggled and, and wrestled with resisting and, and letting go of the pagan world and its attractions. Now, being in the wilderness helped, you know, there's just a lot less ungodly distractions in the wilderness. But God's people aren't meant to stay in the wilderness forever. God was preparing Israel to live according to their purpose in the world. Where, surrounded by and interacting with the pagan nations and and peoples, Israel was always challenged to be kadosh, holy. Standing for God like a bright, shining light of goodness and righteousness and love in a world that is suffering under the afflictions of evil and wickedness. So... God's wilderness instruction was to teach God's people that in being set apart, in being holy, our purpose for existing is to point to God while serving as agents of delivering God's promise that all people on earth would be blessed through Abraham and his descendants. That's Genesis 12, verse 2. And ultimately, the greatest initiation and fulfillment of that promise resides in Jesus who is the source of unleashing God's blessings throughout the world. And that's what brings us into the story. Because with the coming of Jesus into this world, the composition of God's Kadosh people changed dramatically as Gentiles, people not from Israel's bloodlines and parentage, people who are just like us, responded to the great blessing of having our sins forgiven through what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. Being blessed with being adopted into the family and people of God, as we're told in Ephesians 1, verse 5's declaration, In love, God predestined us for adoption to son and daughtership through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So at at the core of our response to these amazing gifts of God's grace and love, our challenge is to incorporate what is required of God's instructions, decrees, and laws to be able to exemplify the gift of being holy, living up to it, because we already are holy people. And that incredible truth is made even more abundantly clear when we understand the grammatical composition of this profound declaration Because it comes to us in a form communicating that being holy is, as we might sometimes say, a fait accompli, which means it is a done deal. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Because, referring again to Ephesians 1.4, the status of God's people being holy was already decided by God long before any of us heard about it. And our holiness right alongside of our forgiveness, was secured at the cross through Jesus. And therefore, we ought to live accordingly, rejoicing in our holiness. So, friends in Christ, my word of encouragement to you today is this. In knowing that you belong to him, embrace your inherent holiness and live into and up to your purpose in Christ, serving the Lord in joy and gladness seeking always to be a blessing to the world around you while anticipating greater blessings yet to come. And then, I assure you, life will have abundant meaning and God will be glorified and praised in the eyes of our world. Let us pray. Father, Lord, That is an astounding concept for us to comprehend that we are your holy people. That what is part of your identity is part of our identity. Given to us through Jesus who went to the cross for us to redeem us, to set us free, to be your people, your holy people. Lord, help us to grasp the enormity of that and and the amazing blessing that it is to be your holy people. So that will help us to to live our lives in such a way that you are glorified. And as it brings blessings to us, it will bring blessings to the people around us. Lord, help us to be that shining light in the wilderness of this world. Proclaiming always the goodness of our God who loves and cares for us so much that you call us into your family and declare us to be holy people. And we can only do this in thanks for Jesus. In whose name, we pray. Amen. As our musicians. Get-